Welcome to the Satellite and New Space Matters podcast, a series of interviews with key leaders throughout the industry, all brought to you by the Satellite and New Space team at NUCO, a specialist global recruitment and executive search firm. Welcome to the Satellite and New Space Matters podcast. Your host today are myself, Andrew Ball, and alongside me, I've got Ewan Lorison. We're both senior consultants within NUCO's Satellite and New Space team. And today, we're delighted to be joined by Jakob Jevish, co-founder and CEO of Orbify. Um, so Jakob is, as I mentioned, co-founder and CEO of Orbify Inc., a company creating a platform and a marketplace for Earth intelligence applications, enabling everyone to get a better understanding of the environment around them. Before Orbify, Jakob had a background in software engineering and has spent over 12 years in senior, uh, senior leadership roles, including serving as CTO at a couple of starting, uh, startups, making them grow to multi-million revenue and a few hundred employees. So welcome to the show, Jakob. Well, welcome. Uh, hello, and thanks for having me here. Well, look, as I say, thanks for, for joining us. Um, so we always like to start with the same question. How did you first get into the new space industry? Well, uh, it was, I think, two years ago, actually. So I'm not not a veteran uh, like like you. Uh, and uh, it was some sort of a coincidence, maybe, uh, because uh, I received a phone call from, from a guy I met a long time ago at the university. And uh, he was asking me, hey, Jakub, you are the CTO, CPO of Y Combinator-backed startup, and I'm struggling uh, to fix my user journey uh, inside of uh, uh, my my system, uh, the, the, the product we are building, because uh, we have a lot of those manual interactions uh, where uh, my team, who is processing satellite imagery to, to come up with, with insights, uh, they uh, would like to, uh, well, first of all, they need to download data from providers. They, they need to run some software uh, on top of the data to get to insights. Then they will upload uh, all of this into let's say QGIS, and then layer after layer, we will build our analysis. Then we'll take a screenshot, we'll paste it, paste it into a PDF. Uh, we'll attach this PDF to an email. We'll attach an invoice uh, to an email. We'll send it back to the customer who wants, for example, to locate all dark vessels uh, within a within a given region. And this is so tedious. This is so repetitive, so manual. And I'm really uh, I'm really frustrated by seeing them waiting, by seeing them idle. And if only, only I could have this Google Maps-like interface uh, where my customers simply select a polygon, an area of interest and say, show me all dark vessels in this area. And within minutes, right? Because this is what 21st century, so cloud is prevalent. Uh, within minutes, we are showing them the results of the analysis. We are charging their credit cards and customers are crazy. Uh, my company is, is growing to a unicorn status. So if only I could do it and tell me how can I go about it? And you know, at that point in of of uh, of my life, I was a little bit naive person, and I, and I was certain, oh, there needs to be uh, a couple of solutions that make it easy to build this. Because uh, just like you mentioned, right, I've got uh, over twenty years of experience in software engineering, in general, as a as a software engineer, as a as a leader, as a, as a CTO, chief product officer, and uh, if 
you want to build a survey, then probably you don't code anything in HTML, right? You, you've got tools like Typeform or, or Google Docs even. If you want to send an email, then probably you don't code anything in SMTP protocol, but you use tools like Twilio or SendGrid. If you want to send an SMS, you don't integrate with uh, uh, T-Mobile and uh, O2 and other providers, you just use Twilio, right? When you want to start your uh, e-commerce, uh, then you don't code this whole thing yourself. You just use Shopify, Magento. So I just went through a couple of examples of, of amazing, great tools that uh, are out there uh, for people building travel tech, e-commerce, uh, all those typical solutions. And I was certain that uh, Earth observation remote sensing is just like this, right? So there is a couple of tools. You combine them together and you have your perfect solution. After some research, I didn't find anything that is capable of supporting uh, commercial solutions. Because if we are talking about, uh, I don't know, a prototype, a project, something that uh, as a PhD student you can present to your PhD advisor, uh, then there is plenty of solutions that support this, or, or, or if you're a researcher. But if you want to build something where people, uh, normal, normal human beings, like, I don't know, <laughs> fishers, foresters, uh, farmers, firefighters, right? Uh, uh, web application for, for normal people where they log in, they leave their credit card number, uh, they select an area of interest, they get insights, not satellite imagery, but insights, this is important. Uh, then there is nothing that supports those commercial uh, use cases. So when I didn't find anything, I was like, mm, maybe I'm just stupid, right? Uh, maybe I'm not seeing something obvious. So, hey, I, I, I'm back to my colleague. Hey, uh, I, I didn't find anything, but, you know, can you introduce me to a couple of your peers? Maybe they will have at least a partial solution. And this is how I started talking to uh, other people from the industry and learned from them that they are struggling in the same way that uh, yeah. they would like to be able to scale their business, right? Go from consultancy model where with every customer we have a lot of manual work and they are striving, they are dreaming about uh, being able to build uh, this proper web application, which is a great vision if you take a look at it from, from high altitude. Uh, but uh, if you are down in the, uh, in the trenches, if you are, a, let's say, a CEO of this uh, remote sensing consultancy and if you think, okay, Building this product from scratch, it will cost us just the MVP, 50,000, 100,000 euro. It's a considerable investment, right? So yeah. uh, you probably don't want to jump into it and uh, uh, spend 100K just to get it to MVP. And then then you are maybe stuck with uh, this software house that or agency that builds stuff for you. Uh, you don't want to continue this relationship internally. At the same time, uh, you don't have skills in-house because you don't have UX designers, UI designers, uh, front-end engineers. Maybe even you don't have DevOps that will be able to configure the infrastructure so that it scales up and down uh, as it's needed, et cetera. Right? So as I was talking to, to more of people from, from the industry, uh, as I was also talking to uh, people from agri-tech, climate tech that are also struggling to, to get something in place to uh, 
improve uh, their uh, product offering uh, with uh, insights derived from Earth observation, I started thinking that hmm, maybe we've got a maybe we've got a business idea, right? Because this is, uh, I think, what Sir Richard Branson uh, mentioned a couple of times that if you see a problem repeating often, then you may have a business idea. So, so this is where it started. Uh, this is uh, what uh, made us uh, build Orbify. Fantastic. And I always like to hear when, you know, when we ask that question where people go, well, I, I saw a problem that wasn't being fixed and figured out, you know, figured, well, why don't we try and fix it? So uh, you mentioned a couple of really interesting things that I know we're going to kind of dig deeper into uh, in, in a little bit. Um, but first of all, you know, we, we started off in the past. Um, let's stay in the past for, for a little bit longer. And I know that you has got a couple of questions for you. Yes, thank you, Andrew and Jakob. Great to have you on here. Um, and uh, as a point, I thought it was really great actually when I when I saw that you'd you know been in the space industry for only really two years. Most people that we speak to have been you know veterans and they've been in it for for a very long time. And I just think you know coming from outside could give you really great new ideas and different perspectives that can that can help the industry grow. Um, and you've done a lot from the sounds of it prior to prior to this. So I'd love to hear about some of the kind of uh, achievements or, or moments um, in your career prior to Orbify that, that have um, shaped you and kind of, you know, made you proud of what you've done? Ooh, this is a tough question, uh, especially for me, an introvert who doesn't uh, like talking about uh, himself too much. Mm -hmm. uh, so, uh, well, I'm definitely proud of uh, what we achieved uh, at uh, my previous company uh, before Orbify, right? Because we are talking about the past, so uh, no, no bragging about mm -hmm. current. Uh, Not yet. Gig, but uh, <laughs> airhelp.com uh, is helping travelers to recover money for uh, canceled, uh, delayed uh, flights. Uh, or overbooked flights uh, and uh, we uh, scaled it uh, from just a handful of employees uh, up and just uh, couple million in revenue uh, up to uh, a company generating uh, multiple millions uh, in, in revenue and uh, employing uh, over 500 people so uh, this is something that uh, I'm quite proud, but even more proud I am of uh, uh, the fact that we managed to automate uh, vast amounts of uh, the, the whole claim processing, right? Because when you come to AirHub and say, mm. okay, my flight was delayed, then uh, the company needs to verify, yes, you were uh, delayed more than X hours uh, on a route that is eligible, etc., etc. And this whole process uh, is uh, a little bit tedious. But it gets even more complicated uh, if uh, the airline rejects the claim. So uh, mm. if, for example, Ryanair uh, says, no, we are not going to pay uh, the compensation that uh, we are uh, legally obliged to pay, uh, then the company needs to make the decision. Are we going to sue Ryanair or are we going to pass on it? And uh, I'm very proud to say that 90% of decisions whether we are going to sue the airline, and you can imagine costs of losing uh, court in, in courts uh, against airline can be rather huge, right? If you are building AI mm -hmm. for, I don't know, targeting ads, well, the cost is that in the worst case, you are not going to make the sale. 
Uh, if you are uh, using AI to assess, are we going to sue Ryanair? Are we going to sue uh, EasyJet or other airline versus we should pass? Then costs of making wrong decision uh, may be multiple thousands of, of, of euro. Uh, and 90% of those decisions are being made by artificial intelligence that was built uh, by uh, my colleagues uh, at, uh, at AirHelps. And I'm, I'm super proud of uh, this, uh, just to say one thing. That's brilliant. No, honestly, uh, I, I would be proud too. I, I've had to, uh, I've had to make a few claims before, and it's, uh, it's been a bit of a, uh, a palaver. Um, and uh, actually, one of my friends is going through it right now, so I'll, um, I'll put them in touch with, uh, with the company. Um, <laughs> brilliant. And um, I, I saw as well, you know, with your background in, in software engineering, and um, obviously very relevant to, to Orbify as well. What, what, what kind of inspired you to get into that? Uh, well, uh, in this case, uh, this is uh, simply seeing the problem that uh, needs solving, right? So uh, I think that what made me start programming, because I started programming when I was 13, and uh, I, I, I think it never, technology never was uh, just uh, the, the end goal for me. For me, technology always is mean to solving a problem. Uh, and uh, similarly here, I, I, I saw that... Uh, uh, there is uh, my colleague, right, is struggling uh, with uh, automating, streamlining activities, making interface uh, better for uh, his customers. Uh, and I was thinking, okay, technology should be able to solve this problem. Uh, this is uh, third decade of 21st century, and uh, there are capabilities of, of solving this problem. So uh, let's uh, let's do something about it. And the other yeah. part of the answer is mm -hmm. uh, that simply Earth observation uh, can have immense impact on the world we are living in, right? So uh, there is a big difference between applying technology, I don't know, to sell more pens or to show uh, more funny videos. This is super important, uh, but still I, I, I say that that even more important uh, is uh, helping us to better understand all the processes uh, taking uh, place at our planet, uh, fighting uh, climate instability, mitigating uh, the uh, risks uh, that arise uh, from uh, from the climate change, etc. So. Uh, this is something that uh, made me start thinking that uh, travel tech, where I spent over 12 years, uh, this is super cool business, but uh, actually maybe there is something even more important, like Earth observation. Wonderful. Um, I couldn't agree more. Um, and I always, always consider ourselves blessed to, to work mm -hmm. with these technologies that have such good applications, um, you know, and, and so much potential as well. So brilliant. Um, look, I'm going to pass over to, to Andrew now. We're going to talk about the now. Um, so yeah, over to you. Yeah, thanks, you. And so, as you mentioned, we've uh, we've delved a little bit into the past. That brings us nicely up to the present. Um, and obviously, you know, other than what Orbify are doing, because we'll come on to that in the, in the not too distant future. Um, but we're really interested to hear, you know, what is happening right now in the space industry that is really exciting you. I think that uh, in general, this is uh, this movement towards uh, insights, not only satellite imagery. Uh, and looking at your background, right? We are on Zoom. I can see you on your background, uh, uh, space pictures, mm -hmm. whether we are looking uh, 
down on earth or, or into the far into the space and this is beautiful but uh, i think that majority of application of, of this is like nice background uh, something that you can frame hang on the wall and uh, satellite imagery gets a lot more value if you can analyze it uh, if you can process it uh, using uh, optimal uh, tools, uh, optimal algorithms. Uh, and I think that uh, in general, uh, we are getting to this place where, yes, we've got a lot of data uh, and uh, I'm super grateful to uh, NASA and European Space Agency for publicly available uh, Landsat, MODIS, Sentinel uh, data, because without this, we wouldn't be, we wouldn't have the industry uh, in the shape that, that we have today. Uh, we've got also amazing uh, commercial constellations, just to mention Umbra, uh, who with their business model is hopefully going to shake uh, the industry a little bit up. But at the same time, with their, there are also uh, multiple other super interesting uh, startups and, and uh, also established companies that are increasing quality, spectral resolution, temporal uh, resolution, spatial resolution. Uh, so we, we have we have the foundation, we have the data. Uh, we also have a little bit of uh, image processing capabilities. Uh, now this is this, this exciting moment uh, where we can combine this together. We can say, okay, we've got data to build our analysis on. Uh, we start to have uh, really reliable, precise algorithms that can process the data. Uh, we have some experience with processing uh, and visualizing, displaying the data, uh, distributing the insights the, to the end users, decision makers, executives, uh, people who eventually will be will be making decision about uh, actions they are taking on the planet, right? This executive, uh, this is Forrester who decides, okay, I'm going to patrol this area in the forest uh, tomorrow because I'm seeing uh, some deforestation starting or I'm seeing some pests attacking the trees. This executive can be Coast Guard uh, officer who is deciding which area of uh, coastal waters to patrol to prevent illegal fishing. Uh, this executive can be farmer deciding uh, where to plant crops, uh, corn versus wheat, right? Uh, so those executives not always are, are people uh, in, in white uh, shirts and, and ties. Uh, <laughs> these people can be uh, normal uh, human beings uh, living on the planet and, and doing uh, things on, on which our lives uh, depend. Firefighter uh, that uh, needs to decide how to put down wildfires, right? So uh, these executives need insights and we are getting into the point where different elements are there, but you need to combine them. Uh, to me, it sounds a little bit like the iPhone moment, right? Because before Steve Jobs uh, entered uh, the stage and showed uh, the first iPhone, uh, we already had GPS. It was there. We already had uh, calling capabilities. We already had text messages. We already were able to read emails on our uh, handheld devices, BlackBerry. I'm not sure if you remember, but there was something like that. I this. certainly do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, we even had browsers, right? Uh, we had this, this, and that. But actually, it wasn't until uh, Apple combined all of those capabilities into one sleek design, uh, accessible, uh, easy to use, etc. cetera, uh, we didn't uh, unleash the full power of uh, modern uh, smartphone. And yeah. I think that for Earth observation, this is this moment where we are combining different elements of the puzzle. And now we are going to see uh, this whole picture emerging uh, in front of us. And uh, like I said, I believe that this picture can be very, very powerful, important. It can help us uh, change our planet for good.
And I, I absolutely agree. You know, I think we're, you know, there's kind of two things that you mentioned there that, that really chime with me. <laughs> One is um, the move from providing data to providing information and information that can be acted upon, um, which leads into the second thing, which is, of course, accessibility. You know, it's the space and satellite industry for so many years has seemed like this, you know, very far flung thing that doesn't actually impact people on a day to day basis. And I think that now we're starting to see the accessibility um, for almost anyone to be able to consume data generated in space as finally making, you know, people, the man on the street realize that actually, you know, it is impacting everything. That, that kind of pertains to the human race, not only in the now, but also in the in the future. And I think that's everything from, you know, Earth observation through industrial IoT and, you know, even the, the new concept players that are kind of in that Leo market, you know, the impact on everyone walking down the street, I think is going to be felt, but also they're finally going to understand that that's where it's coming from, which I think for the industry is a, is a really great thing. And we've touched a little bit on the future there. Um, so let's let's kind of move further into that world. And uh, yeah, Ewan, back to you. Thank you. Um, I'm very keen to, you know, look at Orbify now and um, hear about um, your your plans in, in the coming months and, and years. Um, so yeah, I'd love to pass the mic over to you to hear a bit more about that. Sure, I'll be happy to, to tell them more about it. So, uh, Andrew, you mentioned accessibility, and I think that uh, this is uh, one of the main topics uh, on, on which we are working on. Our grand vision uh, is uh, to uh, use space uh, to enable better decisions down on Earth. Uh, so, through Earth observation, uh, help uh, with uh, making uh, factual-based data-driven uh, decisions. And uh, this all boils down to accessibility of uh, algorithms, of, of data, uh, of uh, insights that uh, can uh, drive these decisions. Uh, so we can also talk about democratizing access to insights derived from Earth observation. And uh, this is this grand vision right now, how, how we implement it. Uh, our platform uh, makes it very easy for everyone. Uh, almost uh, an average job uh, could uh, go into the platform and uh, by using uh, some ready-made uh, data sources, uh, combine information about uh, heterogeneity uh, over given area, uh, about uh, crown cover over given area, about above ground biomass over given area, and uh, maybe a concentration of um, pollutions in, in the air. And based on this, uh, build an interesting uh, report, right? So what our platform is doing is, is helping to start uh, with uh, data analysis based on either static data sets or dynamically processed data uh, obtained uh, from, from satellites, uh, visualize this uh, in a way that it can be understood by, by others, but also to uh, monetize uh, the IP. Let's imagine that uh, you have this uh, fantastic uh, algorithm uh, that uh, locates vessels uh, in, in the sea uh, or oil spills uh, over over certain uh, area. Uh, Orbify makes it easy for you to also monetize it with uh, our Stripe PayPal integrations. Uh, we help people to start making money. And this is also an important aspect when you think about development of any technology, right? In mid-90s, 
the internet was there and uh, we were all aware, but actually it was used by a bunch of professors and uh, postdocs uh, to exchange papers, uh, interesting articles. And uh, it was only in the late 90s where we discovered that money can be made uh, in the internet. And this is what drove this whole dot-com bubble, right? So we we understand that at Orbify, we understand that uh, making this for, for uh, smart people uh, to make uh, money on Earth observation will be also an important factor uh, driving further adoption, driving uh, more innovation uh, going into, uh, into the sector. Uh, so this is something that uh, we also address uh, with uh, our platform. Uh, we are seeing a lot of interest uh, from the forest vertical, from nature, based uh, solutions companies uh, from uh, NGOs uh, that uh, are uh, reforesting uh, certain areas and uh, we are focusing a lot on, on, on this vertical right well, on the one hand Arbify is a general platform uh, you can bring your AI you can deploy it with uh, us and analyze uh, organic carbon content in the soil. This is doable. We've, we've got builders doing this. We've got also, for example, super interesting Danish company uh, analyzing uh, peatlands and development of, of uh, peatlands over time on Orbify. Uh, we've got another uh, interesting company uh, from uh, Norway uh, who is deploying their machine learning models to detect uh, photovoltaics farms, right? So yes, on the one hand, general thing, but then for all those NGOs and BS companies, et cetera, that are working on deforestation problems, uh, we are offering them ready-made solutions that make their lives easier because these people, just like, just like we uh, spoke a couple of minutes ago, they are in general not interested in Sentinel-1 spectral resolution, uh, Sentinel-2 uh, temporal resolution, you name it, right? Uh, they just want to understand, okay, uh, how much uh, organic carbon is uh, in my reserves? Uh, how did uh, crown cover change over time? Is it increasing? Is it decreasing? Is there any sort of deforestation happening? Are we seeing any pests attacking uh, our forest reserves? Uh, and uh, that's Sort of uh, the sort of data are uh, something that we want to make super easily available uh, to 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 use to take advantage on on Arbify. Brilliant, brilliant. So um, I mean, it sounds like that we're going to be seeing a lot a lot more um, of Orbify and and perhaps more industries um, and companies getting involved in this as well. Are there any areas of the market industries that say that you think are currently not utilizing uh, information like this? Who should be? Hmm. Uh, this is a good question. So I think that in general, there is a great potential across uh, all the verticals, right? Uh, I, I mentioned uh, forestry management, and uh, definitely there is uh, some untapped potential over there. Uh, similarly, uh, when it comes to farming, similarly, uh, when it comes to maritime uh, marine monitoring, uh, when it comes to untapped potential, I think that uh, smart cities and uh, air quality uh, is uh, where we can benefit uh, much, much more than, than today quite easily because, uh, as you know, right, and many of your listeners know that there is Sentinel-5 satellite uh, collecting a lot of uh, useful information about uh, air pollution, air quality. And just to give you uh, an example, Last year, late last year in October, I was in San Francisco attending a Geo for Goods conference by Google, uh, and uh, I, I talked to uh, 
person who worked for uh, Copenhagen municipalities uh, on uh, air quality analysis because in Copenhagen, you know, rich, uh, beautiful Copenhagen, they realized that 10% of citizens are dying uh, due to diseases caused by poor air quality. So I even, wow. you know, 10%, right? Uh, th there are those uh, well-known polluted cities in, in Europe. Uh, Krakow is uh, one of them. I think that London is also not the cleanest one. London's going to be up there. <laughs> yeah, so, mm -hmm. so you may think, okay, uh, Copenhagen, for sure, everyone is super healthy, but apparently 10% of people are affected by poor air quality. Uh, and they decided not only to despair about it, but actually they decided to, to do something about it, to uh, try to revitalize uh, the city. And uh, based on an analysis that uh, was made, they decided, okay, there are certain areas of the city uh, that are more polluted. So in the parks over there, we will put some domes so that people uh, spending time outside can gather under the those domes for, I don't know, yoga meetups, for uh, some uh, other events. Uh, they are not spending time totally outside, by, but they are a little bit shielded from uh, poor air quality. Uh, same for about bus stops. Uh, we'll also shield uh, people in this area so that, uh, in general, they are inhaling uh, less uh, pollution. Uh, while in the areas that are cleaner, uh, we will uh, build some more playgrounds for the children, we will build some more parks. In general, we will try to encourage our inhabitants, our citizens, to spend more time in the in the clean areas. And to me, this is a great example of uh, how municipalities, local governments, can take more advantage uh, from Earth observation uh, to rebuild, uh, revitalize their cities so that they uh, serve uh, citizens more. Uh, the downside of the story is that uh, building this analysis uh, took them two months. Uh, with Orbify, uh, this is something you can do with two hours. So this is the change we are bringing to the world, but uh, you asked me about uh, where, where we are seeing deficiencies. And I think that more local governments uh, could uh, take a look at what, what has happened in Copenhagen and, uh, and take certain actions upon this as well. Really, really fascinating. Thank you. Um, I hope some of them are listening. Hey, um, <laughs> <laughs> let's um, let's stick on this because this obviously what you know what you've been discussing is something that is going to be you know incredibly beneficial to the betterment of of you know Earth and, and mankind essentially. And I know we're on the topic that matters that we discuss every every podcast. Um, Andrew has some some questions around this, and obviously, you know what Orbify are doing clearly does matter. Um, so I'm going to pass back to, to Andrew to kind of flesh everything out. Yeah, so look, we've, we've already touched on uh, on a couple of these things, um, but it'd be really good to kind of hear some, some more in-depth thoughts. So, you know, obviously the space industry has grown hugely in, in recent years, um, but what's been really good to see, and we've, we've touched on it a bit, but, you know, seeing the growth in end users and the kind of the different end users and industries that are now starting to kind of embrace and consume, you know, space-generated data. Um, no more apparent than with Earth observation, of course, and you know we've seen everyone from from farmers um, to local councils, local governments now using space generated data to make really important decisions. And of course, you know as you mentioned, platforms like the one Orbify creating are going to make this data much more accessible. Um, that'll be accessible to new customers, old customers, but that insightful information that they're going to need to use to make those decisions, you know, is going to be there at their, their fingertips. Um, but again, you mentioned it was something that didn't really exist in the space industry. Um, and 
lots of other industries out there, um, you know, have embraced these platforms as a service, you know, that the opportunities to make it as easy as possible for people to consume the insights that they're generating, but not in the space industry. So why do you think the space industry has sort of lagged so far behind in, in creating these kind of really easy to digest, you know, insightful information platforms like the one that Orbify created? Maybe it is because space is hard, right? This is a cliche. And uh, Earth observation is uh, also not easy. And uh, when you start with Earth observation, usually uh, you are a more of a PhD type of person, right? You, you've got your experience, you know how things should be done. And then you expect that uh, the world outside uh, will follow uh, your lead. You know what indexes are important, so you know how they should be analyzed, you know uh, what, uh, what are the best ways uh, of uh, interacting with the users. Uh, this is something that uh, I heard from my uh, master thesis advisor, right? Oh, you should know what the user needs. Uh, you are the one that tells them. And on the one hand, yes, right? We can say Steve Jobs, great visionary. It was exactly what he was doing. He was telling you, oh, you need an iPod, you need an iPhone, you need this or that. But uh, in reality, uh, Steve Jobs was listening a lot to uh, to others, right? And so he knew where people are, are struggling, what is bothering them. And he was able to take this uh, data and intuition and turn it into a great product. And this is a skill that some of us who are heavily, highly talented individuals who know how to get uh, super relevant insights out of uh, Earth observation data, some of us, they don't have these product skills uh, to build things that everyone laughs. Uh, and uh, this is uh, why uh, many years ago in general software, uh, we started uh, changing. We started building our solutions closer to the users with you know, iterative uh, process, agile processes, uh, releasing things every week, every two weeks, getting feedback, seeing where, where the users struggle. This is something that uh, we are not doing yet in the Earth observation industry, uh, because it's hard uh, if uh, you are working, going back to the beginning of our conversation, if you are a CEO of uh, a remote sensing consultancy, right, and you've got the software house agency that is building the system for you, Usually what happens is that you need to spec flesh out everything before you hand uh, this uh, documentation to the software house, and then they will build it according to your documentation. So there is not much space for this. Uh, let's see what my users will do. Let's see uh, how they, uh, what is the most important uh, in the system. Uh, let's adjust uh, our design according to uh, the needs. Like, like in architecture, right? Uh, when you are designing uh, paths uh, around uh, around uh, your buildings, uh, you may either tell them, okay, this is how we are going to walk, or, or uh, I think this is uh, approach popular in Norway, uh, you will simply um, put grass everywhere and just see where people are walking and then you will uh, build uh, roads, uh, paths, uh, where actually people decide to, to walk. Uh, this is this iterative approach where you observe the users. And this is something that is super difficult if you have an external third party building things for you. So with platforms like Orbify, we want to make it uh, easier for people to experiment, uh, to uh, release a first version of the application, then change some a couple of things, tweak uh, how uh, the interaction with user looks like. We want to 
enable this sort of uh, agile development uh, in uh, in the earth observation space and uh, we hope that by doing it uh, we will make it simpler for for specialists for uh, the people for, for whom I have a lot of respect uh, and admiration uh, for, for what they have uh, inside of their brains uh, to, to, to build really great solutions. And there's some really interesting points there. And it, it, I suppose it's kind of made me think that maybe, um, you know, the, the Earth observation space, certainly, you know, prior to the new space boom, we'll call it what you like, um, I suppose was very much the, the domain of government um, or the domain of, you know, um, ESA, NASA, these, you know, national space agencies. Um, and I suppose there wasn't necessarily that same commercial push um, and a desire to commercialize, you know, a product out of it. Yes, there's always been publicly available data, but there wasn't necessarily that drive to, you know, to, to make money out of it. And I think that that's what kind of new space market has brought and as private companies start getting into that market, you know, the need to make money and commercialize is going to drive that need to simplify, you know, turning that data into insights that, that can be acted upon. Um, and of course, I think that's why we've seen such a large growth in the end user market for Earth observation and space generated data. Um, so I suppose what I also wanted to ask you is, We've obviously seen kind of large growth in agritech and agricultural, you know, customers using this. And as I mentioned before, even local councils, and I know that local councils locally to, to us here in the UK are starting to use space data um, and earth observation imaging, uh, imaging to uh, start look at future town planning and where are there greenfield and brownfield sites where it makes sense for us to, to build and where are floodplains and where is flood damage most likely and let's make sure we don't build there but interesting to hear from, from your side especially as your platform should help grow end user kind of utilization of this what industry is not currently you know, using insights from Earth observation data that you think would really benefit from it, and that hopefully Orbify's platform will enable them to, to kind of use that easily. So, regarding the industry, hmm. this is a tough question. Uh, because <laughs> we like to put you on the spot. Yeah. I think that there is a lot of uh, space uh, for improving how we use uh, remote sensing data uh, in uh, reacting to uh, crisis situations and uh, emergency response. Uh, I know that this is happening already, but uh, I, I, I think that there is a lot more space uh, over there. So uh, this is this is one thing, but the other thing, uh, going back to uh, this forest monitoring uh, vertical, I think that uh, we can do much more if uh, we build solutions that can be used by by citizens even to understand better what is happening in the environment uh, around them. Uh, and I can give you an, an example from my neighborhood, right? So. Uh, I'm living in relatively green area of Krakow, uh, where one local businessman uh, bought uh, some parcel of land and started doing some weird transformation. You know, there, there were trees. He cut all the trees. Uh, he had heavy machinery uh, to uh, to remove. Uh, 
hills, mounds that were over there. So, so he, he's devastating the terrain pretty much. And uh, it wasn't until actually people living there realized uh, it, no, no, no one was able to, to, to stop him, right? So what I'm trying to say is but that by uh, actually giving these uh, tools uh, into the hands of uh, normal uh, people, uh, we can uh, see that there is something uh, unwelcome uh, happening uh, sometimes in the neighborhood. Like also earlier today, I uh, read news that uh, through uh, one of uh, NASA satellites who were able uh, to uh, catch uh, bigger methane emissions from one of Exxon uh, installations, right? And this is again, this uh, civilian science a little bit or, or normal people uh, just trying to understand what's happening around them. I think that's a really, you know, really interesting way to look at it that, you know, maybe it's not a growth in, in an industry using the data, but it's a growth in all of us, you know, not you know, having the availability to, to use that data and not be kind of, I suppose, blinded by data, but actually have relevant, useful information that, that we can all understand. I think that, yeah, really interesting way of looking at it. But I know we could probably stay talking about this for, for many, many hours, but move on, we must. Um, and we're, we're gonna move on to a topic that I know is, is certainly close to, to our hearts here at, at Nuco, um, especially in the recruitment world and certainly relevant to, to the industry that, that we work in. Um, and that's around diversity and, and inclusion. So uh, so yeah, Ewan, over to you. Thank you. And um, yeah, Jakob, I mean, with your history of having grown out, you know, several, several companies at this point, quite keen to understand, you know, how you've, you know, taking diversity into consideration when doing so, and perhaps some of the challenges that you faced? So diversity is, in my opinion, critical to building a successful company. And uh, I think that this topic uh, was covered many times uh, in your podcast. I think that uh, I heard in your podcast uh, someone saying that uh, this uh, breadth of perspectives, difference in perspectives, uh, enable us to, to make uh, better decisions, uh, good decisions, and uh, I, I couldn't agree more. So if you want to be uh, able to build products that are addressing uh, needs of various groups of people, if you want to uh, solve hard problems, if you want to uh, build innovative solutions, then you need uh, to take into consideration different opinions. And this means that this will be people opinions brought by people with different backgrounds, with uh, different and uh, experiences, what eventually means that uh, not all of them uh, look the same, right? Uh, there is uh, diversity in in all aspects of, of uh, being a, a human person. Uh, so it always was important for me. Uh, and uh, at Orbify, uh, in our leadership team, actually 50% uh, of our leadership team are, are women. Uh, so I'm quite uh, quite proud of this. Uh, and uh, it's, I think, uh, one of the consequences of us uh, early on embracing uh, this uh, diversity uh, challenge. Uh, and from very, very early on, uh, our uh, head of culture uh, was uh, making sure uh, that uh, we have uh, people with with different backgrounds not not only men women and, and this aspect but uh, also uh, different nationalities uh, on the one hand uh, in poland uh, it would it would be difficult for me to find all the specialists but we're quite consciously uh, looking outside of uh, of 
our country and uh, our head of growth uh, she lives in Cannes uh, one of our uh, business development uh, people uh, lives uh, in Sardinia. Uh, we've got uh, one other guy living uh, in, in Portugal, uh, coming from Brazil, actually. Uh, so this was also important uh, for us that uh, each, each uh, member of the team brings uh, their own uh, perspective. And I don't know. Well, I, I can continue rambling about this, right? I feel that uh, <laughs> if, if you want me to, I, I can also repeat by after, after our head of people and culture that uh, if you want to have uh, an inclusive team, you need to embrace inclusive language. Uh, so mm -hmm. if you want to uh, interest, if you want to engage people uh, then from, from different backgrounds, then you should should avoid certain ways of presenting uh, your uh, roles, right? So you should, uh, in, in English, this is easy, but uh, in uh, languages like Slavic language, like Polish or, or, or German language as well, right? You've got uh, this uh, gender pronoun. So uh, it is important to embrace this. Uh, it is important uh, to uh, also show to the potential employees that uh, actually uh, differentiation is, is welcome. So engaging different people into uh, the interview process, this is also important, right? Because uh, if uh, you will only have uh, white, Anglo-Saxon, Protestants, uh, uh, rating others, uh, then uh, it, it is easy uh, to, to get biased to other uh, wasp people. I'm, I'm referring to uh, well-known uh, situation at FBI, right? So at the beginning of the previous century, uh, where all of them were alike and uh, it wasn't ideal. So FBI uh, changed and now is an inclusive uh, organization. Uh, and uh, this is why at RBFI we also engage different people, different team members uh, into the interview process uh, and uh, we uh, make sure that uh, the uh, job descriptions are, are written in a uh, inclusive language, that the onboarding process uh, is adjusted to, to various uh, needs. So uh, you cannot only wish uh, to get diversity, but uh, you need to work uh, hard on it. Brilliant. I think it, it you know, raised a lot of really interesting points there, and it is crucial to be mindful of, of all of them. And um, sounds like you all at Orbify are, are really working on that. So that's fantastic. Um, we are going to move on. Um, and by the way, it wasn't rambling at all that you were doing there. All very interesting <laughs> points. Um, but we're going to move on now to um, to one of my favourite parts of uh, of the uh, the podcast, uh, where we get to find out a little bit more about about you know Jakub in leisure rather than at work. Um, and I'm going to pass over to Andrew for this. So yeah, as, as you mentioned, this is the bit that I suppose a little bit more fun, uh, gives our listeners hopefully a little bit more insight into to you as a person and, and an individual, um, rather than just kind of who you are at Orbify. Um, so we'll we'll start off with one that um, is always the same actually for, for all of our guests. But if you had a magic wand at your disposal that you could wave and create the perfect weekend, what would that weekend look like for you? Well, I remember that uh, I was listening to your podcast uh, running in the morning and uh, this question appeared and uh, I thought to myself, well, 
to me, uh, this is an amazing weekend because uh, I'm outside, I'm running, I, I, it was in the mountains. Uh, so he, this is the answer. Uh, I, I really like spending time outside being active. Uh, and uh, this gives me a lot of uh, pleasure, be it with my friends, be it with my uh, family. Uh, so my perfect weekend uh, is, is exactly that. Perfect. Well, look, I have to say, love the mountains. Not quite sure my perfect weekend would be running around them. Um, you know, maybe maybe on the on the terrace of a cabin uh, with nice views. But uh, this is also a good plan. You know, exactly. running in the morning, then people who <laughs> and then sort of chilling and, and taking yeah. in the taking exactly. in the views for the evening. Perfect. Um, we move on now to our quick fire round. Um, so we've got we've got ten questions for you. No clues for this one. We're gonna we're gonna have you think on your feet. Um, think first answer that, that pops into your head. Um, moving on to the first one, bigos or pierogi? Pierogi. Lovely. <laughs> Next question. Hopefully, if anyone has kind of read the uh, the introduction to you that we put out before this podcast, they're going to get the reference here. I think I know which way you're going to lean, but Metallica or Megadeth? Metallica. <laughs> and a, an extra uh, bonus follow-on question, just to make sure we round out the top four. Slayer or Anthrax? Slayer. I'm with you on both, both counts there. <laughs> so uh, train travel or plane travel? I really like traveling by train. So here is where you have a longer answer, right? But I really like traveling by train. But sometimes you need to travel by plane to get some, somewhere far. I'm with you. But if I could choose, it's that slow, lazy, looking out the window train travel. But exactly. sometimes you've got to get there really quickly. Um, I think I know the answer to this next one as well, but ask it. we'll ask it anyway. Beach holiday or mountain getaway? Mountains, of course. Of course. Quiet night in or big night out? It depends, but probably quiet night in. What's your go-to karaoke song? Never seen karaoke, to be honest. But <laughs> probably it would be, yeah, if, if I had to. Uh, this might be either something uh, country from Metallica, like Mama said, because it's easy to sing. Uh, Maybe or, nothing else matters, a nice it, slow one. too difficult to me. Uh, <laughs> so Mama said is, is my level, probably. Uh, or Wish We Are Here by Pink Floyd. <laughs> good, good options there. Um, what was the last film you watched? I think it was Andor. Uh, the, it's a series uh, from Star Wars uh, yeah. uh, universe. So if, yeah. I'm not sure if it counts, but uh, it is a great one. Uh, to me, it's the greatest uh, actually uh, member of uh, Star Wars franchise. We'll, we'll allow it. We'll allow it. I, yeah, um, I really enjoyed that one on the side note. Very good show, I thought. It's amazing. I, I, mm -hmm. I do, do I admit here so publicly that I'm yet to see it? I've watched The Mandalorian, which, which I, I very much like. Um, Very cool. Yeah, yet to see Andor. Maybe, this is maybe different. But did you watch yeah. Rogue One? Uh, yes, I yeah, I did. 
So it is about the same character. Uh, actually, this is a prequel to Rogue One, but the difference uh, between Rogue One and uh, everything else in, in Star Wars franchise is that, you know, this is like a dark, gloomy mm -hmm. uh, world. Yeah. Uh, it's not about uh, mighty lords that have uh, the force and, and can uh, make things disappear. It's about normal people that are put into a difficult situation. Sometimes they don't want to be heroes, but they need to get by. And this is what I like about Rogue One. This is what I like about Under, that uh, it's so real. Oh, uh, you're selling it to me. I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to check it out. Um, so uh, early bird or night owl? I used to be a night owl. Um, now having two kids, uh, I'm an early bird. <laughs> And I, uh, I'm, um, I'm the same. I would never have described myself as a morning person until, until my, my son turned into a toddler. Now I've got no choice. So, uh, <laughs> um, what place in the world are you yet to visit, but you can't wait to travel to? Maybe Tokyo. Actually, yesterday I had a really great meeting with. Uh, one of our partners uh, from from Japan, and uh, I, I started thinking, yeah, maybe this is this should be my next destination. Perfect. And last question now, one we like to ask everyone in the industry: Elon Musk or Jeff Bezos? It's a tough one. I I, I would say this is a tough one. <laughs> Because we like to I, ask, I, the, uh, ask the hard questions. Sure. Uh, so I would say, unfortunately, Elon Musk, because uh, he's more of a showman. Uh, and uh, by being a showman, he's able to attract a lot of people uh, to the space industry. So uh, for sure, he was one of my inspirations uh, when, when starting to think what can be done about, uh, you know, in life and, and uh, where are interesting goals. Uh, at the same time, he's a controversial person. So this is why it wasn't easy for me to, to <laughs> <laughs> I might might uh, interest you to know. I think at last count, Elon Musk was just winning out from Jeff Bezos, but there were a lot of people who felt the same as you that uh, you know a, a very tough answer. He's maybe not the most you know maybe not everyone's favourite person, um, mm. but just kind of just kind of wins out. Um, well, look, really appreciate learning a little bit more about you now and. Unfortunately, we're getting to our final question of, of the podcast. Uh, again, it's always the same. So, uh, yeah, Ewan, last question. Thank you. And, uh, Jakob, it's, uh, it's been great. Um, and some really good answers there as well. Uh, and Tokyo is my, my place that I'd like to go to. Um, final question. Uh, what one piece of advice would you give to someone entering the industry? Well, first of all, thanks for having me here. It was a great pleasure to me personally to, to talk to you guys. So thanks a lot for uh, giving me this opportunity. But about the advice, uh, I think uh, this is uh, simply uh, be open and, and learn. Uh, you can uh, learn uh, space. Uh, this is rocket science, yes, but this is uh, nothing that cannot be learned. Uh, this is more of a science than, than art. Uh, so be patient, uh, be open and be curious. Perfect. I, I don't think I could have said it better myself. Um, so look, thank you so much for your time, Jakob. We really appreciate having you on today. It was great to hear all your thoughts, your insights, learn more about Orb5. Of course, learn, learn more about you. Um, real pleasure to have you on the, on the show today. So Jakob, thank you so much.
Thanks a lot. The pleasure was all mine. Thank you for listening to the show. If you enjoyed it, please do subscribe and give us a rating. It really helps these stories to be found and enjoyed by more people. For more information about NUCO, we can be found at www.nuco-group.com. That's N-E-U-C-O-group.com.